Hello and welcome to Diminishing Returns. Uh, this week uh, we have a, a new guest who we've never had before. So uh, before we get to the film, let's introduce ourselves. I'm Alan Turing. With me as always is Sol Harris. Hi, Bosley. Something like that. <laughs> yes, well done. Uh, and joining us, from, joining us from Why This Film podcast is Emily Slade. Hello. Hello. Hello, Emily. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Now, uh, this week, guys, we are doing Charlie's Angels. Whee! Now, so why are we doing Charlie's <laughs> Angels? Uh, there's, there's what I thought was a reboot coming out, but it's actually apparently more like a, a third film. That's a, it's a soft reboot, oh, yeah. not a hard reboot. Yeah, yeah. But there's a new okay. one coming out. They're doing Charlie's yes. Angels again with, with Kristen Stewart. Mm. We're going to the Twilights. We're going to get into that in a little while. Uh, we're going to deal with the long and torturous history of uh, Charlie's Angels first. So, guys, before we get to the Charlie's Angels TV show, which seems the obvious place to start, have you guys ever heard of a film called The Doll Squad? <laughs> no, no, only when I was on Wikipedia and found it at the bottom of the Charlie's Angels page. <laughs> <laughs> so I happened to find this. I was in the shop looking for Charlie's Angels on DVD, and I saw something that had the same picture as Charlie's Angels. You know, that sort of three three woman silhouette thing. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what's this? It's not Charlie's Angels. And I looked at it and it's this film from 1973, I think it was. And it was just like a sort of cheap... Is it is ex- exploitation? Exploitation. It sounds, type film. Yeah. Actually, probably not as bad as it sounds, uh, but it is just like a cheap, cheap 70s film. When it when it says on the box, the, like, the sort of thing Quentin Tarantino has been emulating for <laughs> the past, quite literally, something that Quentin Tarantino has uh, oh, emulated. Right. Apparently, I think I read on the Wikipedia it said it could have been the um, inspiration for the the Venom Viper Squad, whatever it was, the female, oh. like because they're a female yeah. group of assassins, basically. Yeah, 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 yeah. But on the on the DVD case, it's basically everything about it is saying, "Look at this! This is before Charlie's Angels. Charlie's Angels ripped us off, definitely." <laughs> I mean, it lit- literally says on the front of this on the DVD before Charlie's Angels, there was the Doll Squad. Oh, cute! Uh, so I did kind of watch it. I, actually, <laughs> I, I was watching it, and the disc broke kind of halfway, and I just thought, "All right, I'm all right with that." <laughs> I watched half of it. <laughs> that, I'll deal do. with that. <laughs> and it was, yeah, it was pretty exploitative stuff. Um, very similar to Charlie's Angels in the sense that they've got these women, and they're the ones who go off and do all the action stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they all just knocking about in bikinis and stuff, but it wasn't particularly titillating by today's standards. It felt like watching a, a, like a classic seventies porno, but they just never got to the fucking. It was just, <laughs> it was quite frustrating. There was all these setups that were like, oh yeah, they're definitely gonna uh, no no no. She just had a fight <laughs> with him and then walked off. Um, and also the other the other sort of main thing I took from it was the the bad guy, the sort of the main bad guy. He seems to have this sort of mystical power over women because they all fall in love with him. And oh so that's God. how he was getting them to do what he wanted. That carrier pigeon was trained to fly to the roof of Nancy's apartment. And sweet little Nancy was going to take the microfilm of the anabolistic missile plans, hop a boat and bring the plans to Eamon, all with a cute little kiss. Nancy, I don't understand how you could get mixed up with something like this. Well, I still don't think I've done anything wrong. I love him. Senator, uh, <clears throat> sex and security just don't mix. Was he Was he a good-looking man? No, not really. It was the 70s. <laughs> was there such a thing? 
Well, that was the other thing. All the main women in it, like the the, the sort of the, the angels, so to speak. I mean, nothing special. I'm just saying. Seventies, the seventies fashion. Yeah. Ruined everything it touched. I think that might be part of it. The hair was all all wrong for my yeah, taste. Poofy so. and blue eye shadow. <laughs> did they did they make up for it with winning personalities? Uh they make up for it with assassin skills. At, at one point they gave they gave these guys vodka and then they exploded. I want to watch this. <laughs> so obviously there was something else in the vodka, but they just exploded and disappeared like they exploded so much that there was no remnants left uh and also uh, some of the acting it was quite poor acting but some of them i was like are they on drugs or are they like acting like they're supposed to be on drugs it just seems like they were i think yeah it was the 70s 70s. i think they were just on (laughs) so Anyway, I didn't want to make a big thing of it. It's just something I happened to find whilst looking for Charlie's Angels, so I thought I would give it a watch. Uh, I can't say I'd recommend it or anything. It did feel like watching a Tarantino film, though, yeah. <laughs> when he's Sad. doing his, like, doing his uh, crap. Well, if there's if there's one thing Tarantino likes other than shitty old exploitation movies, it's uh, shitty television from the 1970s, 1960s. <laughs> it's fair. Fair, yes, fair. Uh, so did you guys watch any of the Charlie's Angels TV show? I did. It's on TV every day. Is it? On the, yeah, is on it? the Sony channel at 6pm. You That's can not, rewatch. The Sony channel? What the hell is it? <laughs> yeah. That's not even a real TV. <laughs> no, it's it's, I'm not on Sky or anything. It's on like normal sort of digital television, and it's Ooh, the Sony I'm, channel. And at 6 I'm p.m., so out of the loop. you can watch Charlie's Angels, and they're currently on season one with the original cast. And then afterwards, it plays some Mash. I didn't stick around for Mash. I would just I've, so I've been tuning into <laughs> Charlie's Angels every day, awesome. and I'm hooked. <laughs> oh really? <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I watched the pilot, um, so it's a sort of 74 minute, more feature length episode. And then I watched uh, another episode from later on. But I, I found it sort of... I didn't particularly want to watch anymore, but it was perfectly watchable. It felt like very... Yeah, all those other run-of-the-mill kind of episodic shows like The A-Team and, uh, yeah, you know, oh, just, this I, week's adventure is this. Yeah. It very much so. And it's sort of like detective-y and like, you know, like they're not doing anything particularly special. I mean, it was called, I'm sure you know this, it was called Jiggle Television, which was mm. meant to be like tits <laughs> and ass television. But like, as you said about the other one, like because it was the 70s, censorship had only just like left. So like, it's really not that titillating. Um, but it is so enjoyable to watch something from what I see as so long ago mm. have these female characters working together in this way and it's just so enjoyable for me as a woman to watch I don't know yeah yeah that is a good point you are um if I may get personal a woman and <laughs> um we didn't deliberately get you on here for a woman's opinion <laughs> we but need a woman. it would be it would be good to get that that side of it um uh, because uh, yeah I did note it, it I watched the pilot and it and it was definitely like the, these are empowered women, you know. They're the ones doing everything. They're the ones getting shit done. Yeah. And it, it it seems like the the setup for it is that you know they've gone through the police academy, but then they've been sort of shunned to shitty jobs like office job mm. and meter maid and stuff. And so Charlie's come along and given them opportunity to uh, kind of do do something worthy of their talents, which is really cool. 
Mm. I, I know. I did notice in the pilot episode. I don't, did you watch that one, the one with Tommy Lee Jones? No, I didn't. I've just been watching sort of the random episodic ones. Well, in in that one, it does basically end with them sort of getting caught, and then a load of guys come in and save them. <laughs> but, oh no! But, but the way it plays. It doesn't kind of belittle them and like, oh no, we now we need to be rescued. It's just that their plan goes wrong, but then the guy that they helped out earlier comes back and, and helps them, you know? So it was like, it did make sense actually. Right. Um, but it was a little bit yeah. like, oh, okay. The I plan wouldn't, I wouldn't say up. that that tends to happen. They tend to like save the day. Um, yeah. And it's, it's their sort of abilities that, solve the case as it were did you say you were watching mostly first series stuff yes it's the it's the original cast so i haven't seen any of the later angels i i I was reading about it and i I understood that it it got worse the scripts got weaker after the first yeah after they left uh one of the women left Mm. but the the other episode i watched and i i picked it out because apparently it was um it was like a backdoor uh, pilot for a spin-off they were hoping to do called tony's boys Oh yeah, male. <laughs> in which is basically a yeah God. a gender swap version where there's a woman, <laughs> an, an old an older, an older lady who is presumably a millionaire. <laughs> she's called Tony, and she's got these three boys. She's mad. <laughs> Tony's boys. Um, <laughs> basically, the angels are sort of in trouble. Someone's trying to kill them, and so Charlie gets his friend Tony to bring her boys to to try and help. And they all work together to try and solve the case. And yeah, it was just sort of nonsense, basically. The the, the boys were as useless as the angels are in terms of acting ability. And that sort of thing. They do lots of jokes about, like, the angels kept turning the heating up and the, the boys were getting upset about it. Like, who's touched the thermostat? No, no, they didn't do that. The, the, the boys come in late for for dinner, and then one of the angels bonks them on the head with a rolling pin. Yeah, they. All, Where have you been? He comes home and she's throwing all his clothes out the window. Fuck's sake! <laughs> Just that, how how uh, gender was handled on TV in the seventies? <laughs> no, it wasn't. It was they were all kind of yeah. At first, the angels are like, "Fuck off, we don't need your help," and then they kind of were like, "Okay, I'll, I'll let you help us." My husband ran the best private detective agency in the country when he was alive. Now that he's gone, I've taken over. We appreciate your concern, but uh, we can take care of ourselves. Not as good as my boys can. Bob is a former U.S. Olympic champion, and Matt is a master of disguises and weapons. And Cotton is a champion rodeo rider, roper, and trucker. And we'd like to start by getting as much information from you as possible. Well, if you're such a red-hot sleuth, maybe you should get the information yourself. Careful, Tiff. Uh, I wouldn't get him upset. He might decide to shot-put you or something. Uh, yeah, I, I, I must admit, it, was, it seemed like a, a decent little thing for its time. And it, and it seems like it did genuinely have an effect in terms of women, or particularly, I think, girls watching it were like, oh, we can do this sort of stuff as well. Yeah, this, uh, yeah this is good. apparently they were, like, writing into the actresses and being like, I want to join the police academy. I want to, like not just be a secretary and a a housewife anymore i want to actually go out and like fulfill my potential which is Mm. fucking wonderful like how much better can you get i think it is i think it is good and i think the fact that when they made the film in 2000 it was still on you it was still unusual to have a female-led action film yeah albeit a comedy one so 
you know, Charlie's Angels, it sort of started well, slowly deteriorated over about four years. Jump forward 20 years. Uh, it's 2000. There's a hot new prospect called McGee. <laughs> now, Sol, yeah, we, we yeah. discussed McGee um, quite recently because we did Terminator Couple Salvation. A couple of weeks ago? Yeah. yeah, we did Terminator films recently, and he did Terminator Salvation. Now, that means after this episode, we'll have done three McGee films on this podcast. Now, how many Martin Scorsese films have we done, Sol? <laughs> <laughs> um, zero, right? <laughs> I was going to say zero, I think. Yeah. yeah. Wow. We've done one Hitchcock no, no, film. No, no, no. We must have We must have done a Scorsese film. For I don't Oscars think we have because he doesn't... Have we not? No, because he doesn't go into the... He doesn't tend to go to things that are in franchises or anything like that. Um, and but we do the no, Oscars every yeah, but, year. Yeah, but what's he done recently? Oh, yeah. He's been, he's been working on The Irishman for like five years, hasn't mm. he? Maybe that's... Plus he's like 77 years old and, and slowing down. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't like superhero films, Alan. Have you not heard? <laughs> It's the hot new controversy on the internet. What, an old man doesn't like comic book films? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He he said, superhero f- movies, then they're, they're not art, are they? And everyone's like, oh my god! I thought Martin Scorsese was going to Avengers Endgame at midnight and <clears throat> sat there, and then when, like, uh, William Hurt turned up, he was going, oh my god, it's him from The Incredible Hulk! It's, a, it's an Easter egg! And, like, throwing his popcorn out of his seat. And I think everyone's just crushed that their hero isn't uh, sharing their interests. Yeah, every comic book nerd's favourite, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> uh, yeah, but, as we discussed previously, McGee was a, a, a quite a well-renowned music video director. Do you know what it stands for, Alan? Do you know what it stands for? McG. Um, yeah. I imagine it's a contraction of his surname, isn't it? Not? Yeah. Mc McGiles. <laughs> Is he Stephen? Uh, Stephen McGerald. McGinty. McGinty. Oh, You're not making that up. Oh my god! Fair no, enough. McGinty. I've belittled him using the name McG, but fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> I only remember because I have a friend whose surname is McGinty. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. So he he was yes, uh, hot stuff off of his Smash Mouth All Star video, and <laughs> they, they gave him the Charlie's Angels job. So this was his feature film debut. Wow, Charlie's Angels. What, what was the start of this sort of boom of reviving? Like comedic skewerings of old TV shows as films in the mm. early noughties. Starsky and Hutch is the one that that's a bit later. To mind, but I feel yeah, I feel like that was probably off the back of Charlie's Angels. If yeah, anything. Starsky yeah. and Hutch, two thousand and four. Um, I mean, this mm. came about because Drew Barrymore brought the rights of the Charlie's Angels oh, thing really? and said that. So she was a main producer on both movies mm-hmm. and obviously cast herself in one of the main roles. Um, fair mm. enough. I don't know if, like, similar people her age were also like, oh, well, shit, I'm rich and in Hollywood. Why don't I just buy the yeah. rights to my old favourite TV show and fucking yeah. do a reboot? Like, I don't know if that was yeah, it. Yeah, Ben Stiller's like, oh, I'll do that. Fucking <laughs> yeah. love that Well, yeah, you're right. I, I can't think of anything earlier than 2000 off the top of my head that was, yeah, this sort of distinctly kind of taking... taking a, a different That's take it. It's the ironic the take on it. We... Yeah, it's not just a redo, redo is it? Yeah. We did The Addams Family a few weeks ago, and, and obviously that was mm. similar, but that was a sitcom on TV that was just kind of being revived as a film. And yeah. this is much more of a... 
I, I say having never watched the TV show, it certainly comes across as much more of a knowing, tongue-in-cheek, yeah, we know the show's silly, we're going to have some fun with it, kind of. Well, I did want to ask about that, because I wasn't quite sure where this film was aiming at. Because I couldn't tell when it was taking the piss or when it was expecting to take it seriously. I think, yeah, I think I've got a note here that's like, who is this movie for? Um, <laughs> yeah. Because I couldn't, I couldn't tell this time round, but the first hundred times round as a 14-year-old girl, it was for me. <laughs> it was 100% <laughs> for me. Um but no, I know what you mean. It's a very strange tone and no one looks good in it. No one comes out on top. <laughs> well, I, I don't want to give away uh, my feelings yet, but I've written more notes about this film than any other film we've ever done on this show. What? I was just like, oh my God, I've got to make another really? one. Really? So I've got to make another Yeah. Because my, my notes are pretty much just a long list of, oh my god, it's that actor? <laughs> yeah, I did a lot of that. Yeah, I did, did a lot. <laughs> and, and like, weirdly enough, uh, I mean, uh, obviously I uh, confused this with its sequel, but the only actor who isn't in this film was the one actor, and I, I mean the only actor in Hollywood who didn't turn up in this film, is the one actor that I thought was in this film, which is Bernie Mac. Um, <laughs> everyone else is in it. Yeah. Oh, I couldn't believe it. Joey? Joey's yeah, in it? Yeah, Joey from Friends. <laughs> All right, I think I think I need to I need to uh put this out straight away. I really love this film. What? I really I love this film. That, it was that fantastic. Is the, that is the off that is the exact opposite of what I'm I was expecting. Very to Yeah, I'm very surprised cuz as I say, I I thought when I when I was was watching this on repeat as a as a kid. I thought it was the most empowering and incredible and funny film that I could ever get my hands on. <laughs> when I rewatched it this week, I <laughs> was so embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I I think I'm gonna land somewhere between my expectations for you, Alan, and, and what you've just said. In that, <laughs> the, about halfway into the film, I was thinking. I have such respect. This is one of the weirdest films I think I've ever seen. It's <laughs> it's so unflinchingly bizarre. I kept going to Crank Two, Sol, as my comparison. Yeah. and you know how much it I was, love Crank Two. So it was it was absolutely like I say, unflinchingly bizarre. But um, I did sort of begin to get bored of it towards the end. <laughs> give too much. I away. wouldn't. I don't. I don't think it's possible to get bored in this movie. They throw too much at you. But I. I did sort of start thinking that they were, oh, they were trying to inject it with that ni- late nineties feminism, and they ended up taking feminism back about ten years. Sometimes. It's called girl power. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would, I, my main sort of takeaway from this: this is the most two thousand film I've ever seen. I think if you wanted to sum up popular culture at the turn of the century. Yeah. This, this just sums everything up perfectly. It's, yeah. that's, I think that's why yeah. I like it. It just sort of fantastically just <laughs> accumulates it's a time everything. Capsule. Yeah. <laughs> pre 9 11. Yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. yeah it's definitely pre 9 11. So the, the opening scene. I, I think this is peak pre 9 11. I, I think this is so. where the world was a beautiful place. And then, 
<laughs> and then we got knocked down a peg or two. And, uh, <laughs> or ten. But that the opening sequence tells us very distinctly that it's pre-9-11 because... And I want to give a bit of praise here to to old McGee because I think the opening sequence is fantastic. It, you know, we we kind of really, yeah, yeah. We go into just on a kind of filmic level. So we 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 kind of come up to a plane. We we push in through the window in in, in a not too aged CGI way, and then we have this long shot, or at least an apparent long shot. We follow someone through a plane. But it's not too boring. You've got all these little things going on. You've got the the um, the air steward guy giving a couple of lines for a couple of gags. They're watching. Uh, they're watching TJ Hooker the movie yeah, or yeah, uh, yeah. Gilligan's Island yeah, the movie yeah, or whatever they, it they was. Comment. Yeah, do a little thing. The, you see LL Cool J come out of the bathroom. Why he's in it, I have no idea. A little cameo for him. It was the that was that's it. It was two thousand. You put LL Cool J in your film, of course. Yeah, I. My first note is I forgot that this movie opened with blackface. Like, <laughs> uh, I, but, I but why? So why is she just? Why? Is, why is she in a disguise? Full stop. And, and like, and why is she in a, so over the top? <laughs> it's just like in the uh, TV show they would just like put on a jacket and maybe some sunglasses, and in this they're putting on full on like rubber masks and pretending to be like men. Mm. Yeah, they presumably got the voice chips from Mission Impossible as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that explained, that. Yeah. Well, I mean, the the, re- the reason is, uh, I mean, the real reason is so that they can have this cool look. We've worked out how to do a pull off a face um, <laughs> effect, <laughs> rubber face effect. Yeah, it's just to it's to set up that they go undercover. They they've got all this fanciful technology that doesn't really exist, and and it it establishes the angels quite well because. They're sort of introduced in the way that we're then expected to treat them from that point on. So Lucy Lou's the like serious good one, and then Drew Barrymore's the sort of uh, funny up for a laugh like one, and then Cameron Diaz is the hot one. Well, no, I did want to ask about that because they do. The I, little, I didn't know what Lucy Lou was. They do the little saying. intro sequence where they go, "Oh, three girls who grew up very different," and you see these little flash shots of them like when they were younger, and it seems to suggest, yeah, uh, Cameron Diaz is like a goofy one. But she's also like the, she's the girly girl one. Drew Barrymore's yeah, like more of a tomboy. She's like one. a metal chick, yeah. And and then yeah, Lucy Liu is like the posh one, basically. It seems to be. Yeah. So yeah, it's like posh, one. posh, sporty, and baby. That's that's what they are. <laughs> and then, but then um, uh, they do that in the intro and set that up. But that doesn't really reflect in their characters that much in the actual thing, apart from Cameron Diaz being like the comedy goofy one. Yeah. The others, yeah, and like, oh, Drew Barrymore, she's got a thing for the bad boy. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> because Drew's a producer, so the main plots can be about her character. <laughs> um, I don't, I forgive her everything. I love her so much. Um, <laughs> I, I do like it though. I like those little like, once upon a time, there were three girls that were very different, rather than just there were three women at the police academy, and like, then now I own them. Like, it's like, these women were cool in their own right, and I handpicked them to be part of my agency. Like, I really like that. Well, yeah, let me let me quote what Charlie says. They're brilliant, they're beautiful, and they work for me. I mean, that's very empowering, isn't it? (laughs) 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 
But yeah, so in uh, this opening sequence, yes, definitely pre-9-11, because of the man there with a bomb strapped to his chest, flashing it oh. around, going, oh, look, I've got a bomb. Oh my God, and... so funny. The, the like, <laughs> stewardess is right there, and he's, like, <laughs> open up his jacket with this huge, like, it literally says, like, a bomb. It's from, like, a Wiley Coyote <laughs> cartoon. And then he, like, glances around, and he's like, oh, shit, and, like, covers it up again. And the stewardess <laughs> is literally right fucking there. And you're like, dude. Yeah. <laughs> But then, uh, no trouble, because uh, LL Cool J grabs hold of him and opens the cabin door and jumps out. Now, I'm no, I'm no aviation expert, but I don't think opening <laughs> the cabin door <laughs> at full sort of flight... Oh yeah, that, is, is that annoyed good. me. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we were going to get a bit of the fallout from that, but no. Never nah, addressed again. Fine. There's a lot of uh, breaking of physics in this world. It's uh, great. Yeah, there's a lot of that sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, Matt LeBlanc's uh, cast is like a big star actor, isn't he? <laughs> All right, I've got a theory about this. I think that is not Matt LeBlanc. I think that's Joey Tribbiani <laughs> <laughs> being cast in. Well, I, I swear there's a bit in Friends where he gets cast in the film of Charlie's Angels and it's like a self referential thing. It's like when Arbed is on uh, uh, the... Oh, yeah, yeah, when he was in uh, Avengers thingamajig. Yeah, yeah, you're right. I could buy that. That's my theory. It makes it a lot easier to take. Because it's just Joey from Friends. It's not... Well, my my theory is that this is Matt LeBlanc's best film. Not just in my own personal opinion, but like the highest rated thing he's done on IMDb, Rotten Tomatoes. I haven't verified that, but I'm, I'm... I'm pretty sure it is. If I'm going to look that up now, bear with me. What about that orangutan film he did? <laughs> Not forgetting Ed. <laughs> I can verify, Alan, I can verify. Charlie's Angels is by far the highest rated <laughs> film on Matt LeBlanc's Rotten Tomatoes page. Wow. Uh, it's the only the only film that is fresh with 68%. Oh, Ooh, nice. <laughs> I've complained about how much people love films like Guardians of the Galaxy based purely on the soundtrack. Because I, uh-huh. I always say, like, well, look, I can make a, a playlist. Like, it's easy. Like, <laughs> you know, I love all these songs, but isn't there more to it than that? But watching this film and its sequel, yeah, fair enough. Uh, I guess I guess it's harder than it looks, isn't it? <laughs> but this is definitely, whoever put this soundtrack together, they watched the scene and went, hmm... So they just mm-hmm. set something on fire. Let me Google songs with fire in the title. <laughs> okay, okay. Yes, fire, fire into yes. iTunes. I did also keep a tally of how many songs with Angel. Oh, did it? you? I did exactly the same thing. <laughs> yeah. How many, go on, how many songs have got Angel? I think, I think I stopped paying attention at some point. I got up to four, according to this tally. Well, let me tell you, according to the official soundtrack listing, there are seven songs with Angel in the title. <laughs> Never mind in the lyrics in the title. Alone, well, yeah. that's it's it's like in an American Werewolf in London, where uh, all the songs have got "moon" in the title. Oh, <laughs> amazing! Just, just keeping the legacy alive, yeah. Love it. Um, I mean, it is it's an amazing soundtrack, and I bet you know th- this was. Let's not forget this was released peak uh, CD sales uh, as well. So I imagine <laughs> yeah. they were very much thinking towards the soundtrack. Can I can I just read my notes pertaining to the cast in this film? Yeah. yeah. All right. So my first one is Joey. We've covered yeah, that. I got think. that one. Joey. Yeah. Then I put Bill fucking Murray. 
<laughs> of uh, course, yeah, I knew he was in it. Yeah, yeah something of a nod. To- well, I didn't know he was in it. <laughs> I thought it was Bernie Mac, and then Bill Murray came out. I was like, <laughs> what? Bill Murray? Uh, then I put Tim Curry, are you shitting me? Yeah, Tim Curry is a pleasant. sort of fake bad guy. You've you've forgotten yeah. young Sam Rockwell. Oh well, not yet. I was going to say he must be ramping up to that. On my list, he's first. On my well, yeah, my notes my... going. Oh look, oh, it's Sam well, I, I think oh, look, I think I saw him and didn't believe it. But then later <laughs> on, I made the note: What the fuck, Sam Rockwell? What the fuck? Uh, I've also put: Is that Crispin fucking Glover? Yes, it uh, is. It was. <laughs> it was. I've got, Did you notice uh, how? No, we we got introduced to Crispin Glover's character because they enhanced a reflection off of a <laughs> of the window of a car window. Yeah, yeah. A, another two thousand classic uh, moment yeah. of uh, films, uh, filmmaking. Enhanced. Um, I I then put look uh, Luke Wilson. What is going on? <laughs> and, it's two thousand. So that's what's going on. Yeah. And then I wrote, who else is in this film? Zach Braff? James Hong? <laughs> Malcolm McDowell? Uh, it turns out none of those people are in the film. But, no. But they should have been. Uh, oh, and then and I did make a note much later on, is that Melissa McCarthy? And it was. Yes, I have the same note. Yeah, well, I have to say, you know, it's, it is that thing of, like, even if the film isn't particularly funny or interesting... You just chuck a big name actor in, and it's like, oh wow, I'm, I'm entertained. Yeah, but these guys weren't big name actors at the time. Yeah, two thousand. Tim Curry, like pe- people still don't really know who he is unless you know who he is. Um, yeah. Sam Rockwell wasn't Sam Rockwell by that point, and Crispin Glover was only in like one and a half of the Back to the Future. So I can't tell you what else he was in. Yeah, yeah, clowny clown clown. No, what I really liked about Crispin Glover's character, though, was that his characterization was he smokes, and then he's got a weird thing about hair. Well, his characterization was they said to Crispin Glover, don't worry about acting, just just come <laughs> just be, be on yourself. set, be yourself. No, it was Crispin Glover's choice. He was given dialogue, <laughs> and he said, these lines are shit, I don't want to say them. So they were like, okay. So he was like, cool, I'm, I'm going to be mute. And just like scream a lot, and they were like, <laughs> "I can't believe his career didn't didn't go go further." I I just assumed that Crispin Glover was playing an iconic character from the TV series that I was supposed to recognise. <laughs> Is that not what happened? No, no, it's just Crispin Glover being. He's playing a well, fairly it's, pointless it's just... character in this movie, and an even more pointless character that gets more screen time yeah. in the second movie. Just bizarre in the yeah, second well, one. They... It's just bizarre. At least in this they... one, he's like a weird henchman, James Bond type character. Yeah, he's like it, but it's he's credited as the 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 thin man. I just yeah, assumed it was like the smoking man. man in. Yeah, I thought it was like the smoking man in the X Files or something. Oh. Because men know who this guy was, but no, apparently not. That's that's weird. Now we let's just talk about the cast briefly. Now we're on it. Um, so yeah, Lucy Liu, pretty much mostly known for Ally McBeal, and this was a bit of a breakthrough for her in terms of film. Well, to, to me, she's best known for um, voicing Jade as an adult when she uh, comes back from the future to to fix the present in Jackie Chan Adventures. Do you remember that, Alan? <laughs> That classic episode. <laughs> I <Yeah>. love Jackie Chan <laughs> Adventures. Jackie Chan Adventures is legit. I'm not even joking. It's legitimately fantastic. It's great television. Yeah, yeah. Really, genuinely, really good. Anyway, <laughs> so, Lucy Liu is in so, it, Alan. Lucy that's Liu. Lucy Liu. Yeah, Drew Barrymore, who obviously was a child star, went off the rails uh, for most of the '90s, and I think her comeback. I don't want to put too much weight on this, but mostly on the wedding singer. 
Um, she plays the romantic lead in that, and I think that was that of... the first of her Adam Sandler collabs because she did a few of them, didn't she? Yeah, she did like Never Been Kissed and um, yeah, that was the first dates. Was that her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it was basically my point was that she had these little wilderness years in the nineties, and she was on her way back, and this was kind of her. This was a big thing for her, and I guess if she was producing it, mm. <clears throat> she must have had some clout still to be able to get away with that. She has become a bit of a producer now, hasn't she? Yeah, she makes great movies, and this is—I don't know—it's not silly, but like I don't know if it has a place on this podcast. But for me, she was always such a wonderful role model because she wasn't that size zero conventionally beautiful like studio system person that was being shot out she like and I know she was like an alcoholic at six and stuff and she had a really rough time as a child actor but it's just really lovely to see her in this kind of role because she she was always a bit bigger than the other two and not by any like not in a massive stretch do you know what I mean but it was just really empowering like as a young girl to see someone that was like your size being an action hero. I don't know. I never expect to see her winning awards or anything, but she's a perfectly competent performer in, in this sort of film. And, and A hundred percent. So Cameron Diaz, we talked about recently, you and I saw when we did The Mask, and we sort of did a whole little section on her and mm. how she's retired now. And mm. I, it, it, it seems a shame. Cameron Diaz is one of those people, she seems to focus on comedy, but you actually look at a CV, there are a lot of non-comedy things there, but yeah. the comedy stuff tends to be the bigger things. Mm. And I think she's, she seems like a really capable actor, and mm. she's definitely a good comedy actor. I, I have to say, I, I think I sort of unfairly dismissed her when we were talking about The Mask. I think I sort of said, like, yeah, whatever, she's Well, fine. in The Mask, she, but didn't, she, she, she didn't have to. Well, that's her yeah. debut, isn't it, The Mask? She was, like, 12. Yeah. She yeah. was a supermodel yeah. that had just turned into an actor. <laughs> she, but yeah, she does she bring a lot to, yeah. to what she's doing here. Uh, uh, yeah. She's, she's very she's... watchable and endearing. Um, I think it's a shame what they make her do in these movies. They mm. make her very much the sex part of these movies. It always feels like they're just about to subvert it in some way, and, and then they, they never actually do. That's what I mean. True. That's the tone of this whole tone of this film is like I can't tell where the line is. Yeah. Where is it being serious, and when is it taking the piss? There was a real big thing about Cameron Diaz in this film and the mm-hmm. second film. They seem extremely focused on her ass. Oh, mate, don't even. I've got so many notes about Cameron I Diaz's couldn't ass. Really figure out why. <laughs> like, and there's a whole scene, right? Where they go to, they go on, her and Luke Wilson go on a oh, date to the, a recording don't. of Soul Train. And she gets up and starts dancing. And everyone just stands there agog. And I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't figure out what the joke was supposed to be. So I was thinking, like, was it, is it that she's just a bit of a kooky dancer? She's just enjoying herself, but then everyone gets on board with it. Is the joke that Soul Train is like the black person show and she's like this skinny assed white girl? Is the joke that she hasn't got a big ass and she's dancing to Baby Got Back? Like, is that the joke or not? I couldn't figure it out. I, I agree. I, I'm not quite sure what goes on. I just know that I cringed the entire way through that because I was like, please don't all <laughs> of these black people now get on board with Cameron Diaz's dance. Oh, they are. <laughs> they are. They are. But I, uh, just so, let's talk about Bill Murray then because he's he's like the, as we've seen so many times with Bill Murray, he's like the big and Bill Murray kind of. Yeah. yeah. He, he's a guy that you can, it seems that he will just randomly pick out of a hat like two or three films a year where they say, just come turn up, say what you want, we'll film it. We'll we'll edit round you. We'll get you. Like, don't worry about reading the script. It's very much 
watched that, isn't it? I could tell that he'd been yeah. put in a room, especially when he's captured. And I'm just mm. like, oh, oh and yeah. here comes the 20 yeah, minute yeah. Bill Murray <laughs> yeah. riff. I didn't particularly like him in this. I I thought it was miscast. Yeah. It just didn't fit his sort of style with the comedy they were doing. Just didn't quite tally. What he was doing was fine, but it just. But then when he's actually doing the character stuff, the obviously scripted stuff, he, he didn't work for that either. I can't tell you anything else except this feels like it could be the first day of the last of my life. You know what I mean? Or the last day of the first of my life, or something. I think I'm in trouble. It reminded me of how uh, how awkward he felt in the um, 2016 Ghostbusters film. So, do you think maybe Bill Murray is a misogynist? <laughs> <laughs> Bill Murray hates women. That's, yeah, that's a fact. You heard it here first. <laughs> He's surrounded so, by them. I wouldn't be surprised. We've all seen how Ghostbusters opens. <laughs> I don't want to get into a feud with Bill Murray. I like him too much. No, all right. <laughs> The first sort of proper fight scene we have, like a bit of hand-to-hand fighting, and it was very much like, oh yeah, The Matrix came out the year before this, didn't it? Of oh, course. Really? <laughs> so a much lot of, Matrix uh... in this movie. <laughs> and again, really, really setting it at a particular time period. But I loved it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so a lot of like, they're very good at dodging bullets, these girls. Uh, that's oh, a particular yeah. skill of theirs. Um, they do that a lot. Basically, all their little side plots are excuses to get them into cute outfits and mm. to do ridiculously sexy things. To right, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it in here. So, the whole point of Charlie's Angels apparently is that they're meant to use their sex appeal. Okay, I get I get that I get that. We're, yeah. we're hopefully moving away from that, and hopefully in the new movie we'll, we'll we'll move away from that. But the trailer doesn't look that promising. But it's it's fine. It's not a problem. Sex appeal is is great. It's fine. There is so much sex appeal in this movie. It is literally like the only thing that they can do, um, which can get frustrating when they're just using excuses to they get into the outfits. I was going to say, Drew Barrymore's Drive a race basically car. a superhero. Well, there's a point at the end where it completely undoes. It, it like there's no stakes in the film anymore because yeah. she's like tied up to a chair Fair. and she's like, "I'm just going to beat you all up." Yeah, and you're like I'm what? And then she here. does it. And it's like, okay, so she's invincible and there's no way to stop her. Yeah, it's true. They're all a bit like that. But then the men in this movie are portrayed as so fucking stupid. Like a woman like (laughs) winks at you and it's like an old cartoon where they suddenly go all red and like fall to the floor. Like the fucking skunk in Bambi. I don't know. I don't know. Like, yes, they're very sexy women, but... Every single man is so is duped so easily by them just being like, "Oh no, my boobs have come out," and the men are suddenly like, "Here are all the top secret codes and my weapon and my outfit. Just take what you want." It's a bit like, guys, come on! Like this isn't something to everyone. <laughs> that's that's the power that women have over men. It's why well, the world. according to this movie. <laughs> There is a there is a particularly weird bit where they're doing that where Drew Barrymore's character is distracting a driver, so Lucy Luke and stick a oh, something to the God, car, that whatever. It is. Bit. But so she's got the she's got the cleavage out and all that. She's talking to him, and then she awkwardly leans towards the steering wheel and licks it. She licks the steering wheel, <laughs> but but not in a sexy way. In a way of like, oh, I really don't want to do this kind of way. And then he like really gets weirded out by it and like rubs it off. And I couldn't tell if that was a joke. I, could, I can't tell where this film is being a, this taking is the, thing, the piss or not. I didn't know not. if he found that weird or if he found it arousing because he made a noise that signified both of those things. Yeah, exactly. 
That's why I think this film is a genius bit of filmmaking. <laughs> because it's up to interpretation. Basically like the product of a director who doesn't know how to direct in so far as <laughs> everyone making this film is approaching it from a different angle with a different <laughs> idea of how to play it and what they're trying to do. Uh, okay, so the, in the plot, such as it is, Sam Rockwell uh, is like the nice, shy computer nerd uh, guy. Drew Barrymore likes him. They they play Scrabble and then they diddle each other. And then it turns out he's the bad guy after all. In one of the greatest scenes in cinematic history. <laughs> so Drew Barrymore comes out of the bedroom wrapped in the sheet as one does post-sexual encounter. And she walks into the living room and fucking, oh no, the like random woman is there pointing a gun at her. And subtle as ever, she goes onto the Scrabble tiles and she's like, enemy to (laughs) Sam Rockwell. And he's like, babe, like, okay, I got this under control. And as he gets up to go to the CD player, she takes out a cigarette. Crispin Glover walks in, all clad in black. They're both clad in black. With a cigarette. The CD sort of starts gradually. The music's coming in while she's talking to Drew Barrymore. And then Sam Rockwell starts dancing, takes off his coat, and he's also wearing all black. And, oh, no, he's smoking a cigarette. (laughs) (laughs) He does do a He does do a great sort of Kaiser Soze reveal where he's sort of like his whole body movement changes and he's like not a little hunched over shy guy anymore. Voice changes timbre and all that. (laughs) Sam Rockwell, that's what you get Sam Rockwell in for. He can play good and bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, but I I do like when she she very subtly changes the tiles to say enemy and then just says it out loud. (laughs) Just... You're gonna whisper to him. Just whisper, she, like, she's, she, you know, that woman who's got a gun pointed at us. She's about, she's an enemy. She, she's like, pick. She's like finding the tile and picking it up and placing it down and and then all searching for the next tile and 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 picking it up. Like she takes ages to spell out this word. <laughs> it's so funny. It's so good. Oh man. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. So what happens is he shoots her uh, off the balcony. Um, but ah, uh, not really, because what actually happened was she dodged the bullet with her supernatural bullet dodging powers. Yep. But then simultaneously threw herself out of the window, which I admit she's in a tight spot. But I'm not sure that's the best solution to that situation. Bit, it's a bit of a gamble, isn't it? <laughs> she's she's not on the first ground floor here. She's like overhanging a cliff. Yeah, yeah, and and the only reason she survives is because the duvet the, the blanket thing she's got wrapped around her gets snar- like snagged on the glass yeah which can't have been in her original plan exactly you that can't rely on that kind of happy coincidence yeah <laughs> and then the villains are too stupid to actually like double check just make sure she's actually dead by looking down below even though at the start of the film this same character did jump out of an airplane that's why <laughs> um, they're such good villains they do classic <laughs> villain things <laughs> yeah, so she's she's naked, of course, because it's a Charlie's Angels movie, and it's empowering for her to be naked. Well, to be fair, in this scene, the new the nudity in this scene is certainly not played for kind of titillation. It's it's played for laughs that she's having to run around nude, and they get it done pretty quickly. They do the whole. It, that's fair. It still didn't need to happen. Like, yeah, and it's not like there's a long lingering shot of her ass as she walks up to the window and all that. It's played for a little gag with the. Teenage boys, and, and that's, that's all right, isn't it? 
What did you guys think of the scene, which we've kind of skimmed over, I just found my notes for it, because I've put, this movie is just a bunch of people's sex fantasies, is that fucking Melissa McCarthy? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Ooh, yes, so, that scene is where Drew Barrymore and Cameron Diaz are dressed up as men, they're undercover as men, and definitely the sexiest I found them in the whole film. (laughs) So... But well, um, I think that was a good move on the on the filmmaker's part. It's something for everyone. Yeah. Though. And then Lucy Liu's a dominatrix. Oh yeah, she's whipping everyone. In. Like and like again, it's that like the like timid office worker. There's like a room of them. Oh, and that Lucy Liu's like. Yeah. See, that was definitely played for. <laughs> that's definitely played like over the top for laughs because it's every single like the whole office is full of these men drones on their computers. All in the same slacks and shirt and like pen holder in the pocket and all that. That's definitely being play- overplayed for laughs. So at least I know where I stand on that one. Like yeah, I know what the film yeah. is actually and doing Melissa deliberately. McCarthy's there to be like the extreme opposite of what Lucy Liu is in her like floral, frumpy outfit. <laughs> yeah. Look, men are very easily uh, led by women. This is all the message I've taken from this film. I think we need to strike back. Sexy uh, I think women. we need to start some sort of men's movement. I think women are women are in charge too much now. I'm I swear call. to God, even as a joke, don't put that shit around me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh yeah. man! Well, we're 19 years further on, so we've moved. moved so, on. so much That's has changed. <laughs> Um, and that's it, really, isn't it? And then they do a sort of a wrap-up scene with Charlie because he's not there. He's he has like a and... brief cameo, doesn't he? He like comes and stalks them at the beach, and Drew yeah. Barrymore like sees him, but then is all like, "Ah, I'll keep it a secret." And they're all like, <laughs> "Oh my god, Charlie, come and join us! Do you even <laughs> exist? Like, what are we doing? How do we get paid?" Because in the second one, Drew Barrymore complains about how poor she is, but she's a fucking international super spy. How much does Charlie pay her? Like, what? How does this work? Do they have to invoice him? Do they pay tax? <laughs> is, per, is it per job, or does each job come with a separate amount? Like, yeah. Do they, per do they have DM? to pay what? for all their additional equipment? They have to pay for all that up front and then claim it back, which is, I think, why she's cash poor. <laughs> In the thing, she's waiting for the. Yeah. She's just waiting. She, yeah. she she hadn't paid tax for six years and she got caught. She had to pay it all back. <laughs> so, Charlie's Angels, I I did really enjoy it. I it, it kind of it hit everything I wanted in terms of a silly action comedy. It yeah. just took me to two thousand. It was so perfectly placed. It it said so, but and and. I don't know if you've ever seen Crank 2, Emily, but... No, I have not seen It's It's just a perfect... It's like a branch of surrealist cinema that that has slipped into the mainstream. And that's what I like about this film. It's it's just so weird. I can't tell what the fuck it's trying to do, but I find it so, <laughs> so entertaining. Yeah, I, I have to agree. It's as, as many of the sort of modern problems I had with it on this round, I still... I will watch it if it comes on television from start to finish. And, I and it, 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 it is it is a time capsule. And it's a time capsule to a time when I... That, that really speaks to me. I was a teenager and it was when I was first getting into films and watching just mm-hmm. shit like this. And so I, yeah. and, and I have got a soft spot for like late 90s comedy, action, silly films. Mm. Uh, so it, it kind of just ticks a lot of boxes for me, I think. Yeah. I mean, you call it a soft spot. I'd call it a blind spot. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's fair, fair. But I think, as we'll talk about in the sequel, 
what I expected from rewatching this was what I got in the sequel. And we'll come back to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this just, it just came together more. Like the, the, I felt this, it was just really engaging. I don't know what the, if the plot made any sense or anything, but every, all the parts were there. What was the plot? It had enough twists and turns. <laughs> the plot was that Sam Rockwell needed their help, but then it turned out that Sam Rockwell was the bad guy and Tim Curry wasn't the bad guy because of, they wanted, oh, that was it because he wanted to find Charlie because he thinks Charlie killed his dad. So. Oh, yeah. Charlie bit his finger. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's let's rate the film. We we'll rate, rate Emily. We we rate out of ten. If you can, uh, oh amazing! Yeah, get your head I'm, I'm going to jump in first because I think I'm going to be the most negative, and I don't want to. I don't want to end on a bum note, so I'm going to get it out of the way first, and you guys can be more nice about it. But yeah. I mean, I, I honestly, I I was on board with this film for like half an hour, forty five minutes. I I think I was enjoying it much the same way as you, Alan. Uh, I, I wrote down it's it's one of the weirdest films I've ever seen and I can't bring myself to dislike it as a result. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, even though I really ought to. Uh, but just as I said at the start, um, the novelty wore off after maybe an hour. <laughs> um, it, just, it just couldn't quite sustain it. And I just, I just found myself getting bored and um, it was never good what it was doing so i i give it a five out of ten and i think i think that's fair (laughs) okay well i i just loved it i gave (laughs) as for all the reasons i've discussed i gave it and i'll I'll appreciate this is probably a bit generous i gave it an eight (laughs) so you know better than godfather part two i think Okay, Emily, uh, you, can you rate Charlie's Angels for us? Yeah, no, I would I would give it a 7.5. I think if you asked 14-year-old <laughs> me, it would be an, a solid 9. But um, Well, I, I, I would like to get into that because um, for, for our listeners who don't know, Emily is the host of a podcast called Why This Film, uh, in which you basically you get guests uh, to come on and they they propose their, a film from their childhood that they have mm-hmm. kind of... Mem- fond memories of, I think, is the general idea, and then you rewatch it and kind of analyze it with a more modern eye. More uh, and and so anyway, I, I I get the idea that this really fits into that category for you <laughs> of it something really you does. watched a lot as a child. I definitely did. It was on television a lot, and I would watch it every time it was on TV. And as I say, I had the DVD. This one especially because it had Tim Curry in it, and he was my number one crush for my entire life. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> Yeah. So I think we can can all understand that, yeah. Um so yeah, no, I loved I absolutely loved this movie and then and then rewatching it now I I, am a I'm a little bit more woke and a little bit more feminist and I was like, Oh, what's it really saying? But then I still can't undeniably be like, Yeah, it's entertaining. Like I like seeing (laughs) them in their little sexy outfits, like it makes me kind of empowered a little bit and it's dumb, but it's dumb fun. Do you think you were influenced as a, as a child watching this? You thought, "Oh, I can, I can gain control over men using my sexuality." Did- and did you use that I'm to not- your advantage in life? Even gonna lie, like yeah, like looking back on teenage me, I think I definitely thought that was like a major option, and then I like grew up in the world, and I was like, <laughs> if, ever, oh, if ever that's no. gonna work, if ever that's gonna work on men though, it's probably when they're fourteen as well. So, yeah. <laughs> like fourteen-year-old yeah. boys are quite uh, idiotic. 
<laughs> yes, perhaps. Uh, yeah, so uh, just just take this opportunity to give your your podcast a plug, Emily. Oh, where where can we yeah. find it? Um, so you can find we're on Apple Podcasts, we're on Spotify, and we're on uh, anywhere else you sort of find podcasts generally. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so as as you said, like you come on with a movie from your childhood that you either have watched frequently or, or perhaps you haven't seen it in a very long time, and then we'll both rewatch it separately and we'll come together. And uh, I just have a bit of chat about it. We're on Twitter at Why This Film. We're on Instagram at Why This Film. We're on Facebook at Why This Film Podcast. And you can always email into us at Why This Film Podcast at gmail.com. Mm. And I will be going on your show uh, quite soon. Yes, I'm very excited. How often do you have people on who love this childhood film and then they watch it and they're like, oh, it's, I, you know, I, I, was, I couldn't finish it. It was awful. <laughs> Very few, I, to be honest. Uh, a lot of a lot of people, and because I'm a big fan of children's movies anyway, it's it's very often that I'll be like, "Oh my god, it was fucking great!" <laughs> and they were like, "Right?" I think a couple of times, mainly my near the beginning, I did a lot of my own movies, and I went back and watched things like Queen of the Damned and Willow, and I was like, "Oh no!" <laughs> I I did that with um with Alan when we lived together. I, for whatever reason, one day I remember getting obsessed with the idea of watching Kung Pao into the fist because I loved it when I was twelve, <laughs> and and it got to the point that I was like downloading a dodgy copy online so we could watch it. Because I was like, Alan, you've got to watch this film. It's the funniest thing I've ever seen. And I don't think we got more than 15 minutes in. I was just like, I can't. I'm sorry. This is awful. (laughs) Absolutely. Just obnoxious. (laughs) So, if we can move forward onto the sequel, which came out a few years later. Charlie's Angels was quite a success. Mm. Uh, Everyone loved its fresh take on, on feminist values. And they wanted more. So we got Charlie's Angels colon full throttle. Mm. Now the full throttle never comes into play really. I guess it's the motorbike reference. They do ride some motorbikes at some point. But basically it means this is Charlie's Angels, but like, yeah, really revved up. Uh, As I said earlier, what I got from Charlie's Angels full throttle was what I was expecting from Charlie's Angels, in which a kind of nonsense action, which... Doesn't quite yeah. string together. This one felt much more like a series of sketches. Mm. Like the pl- they didn't even attempt a plot. I, I don't know. It just didn't hold together as well. Yeah. Somehow. Yeah, I agree. I, I and don't it's the like same team. One. It's the same director and everything. And presumably Drew Barrymore's uh, sort of calling the shots from the producer's point yeah, of view as well. Yeah, she's back on as producer. Which is why she's got the main plot line. <laughs> yeah. I um so at the start of this film you have your classic opening credits you know all the cast being put up on screen and and I was just sat there like wow it's you know got all these names again and and then I thought oh they've spunked all the cast up front there I'm not going to be surprised by anyone who actually turns up in this film oh. no nope. no nope. Robert Patrick Bruce yeah. Willis with hair yeah <laughs> that's like special edition Bruce Willis I was not expecting that. <laughs> Let's not forget Sh- Shia LaBeouf turns Fucking up in a kind of point, very pointless character. Yeah, totally. Yeah, pointless. yeah, yeah. He was hot shit though. He, you know, fresh off of uh, even Stevens. Even Stevens. Yeah, solid program. Up and comer. Yeah. Uh, John Cleese turns up as Lucy. Oh Lee's my dad. god, I forgot he was even in it. Yeah. Primarily, it seems for a prolonged joke between him and <laughs> Joey out of Friends, where. 
he Joey is proudly talking about how Lucy Liu's a hooker and John Cleese is flabbergasted. They get a good yeah. 20 minutes out of that joke. It lasts the whole movie and he's never put right. Yeah, never, <laughs> never gets corrected. He just thinks that his daughter is a prostitute and she's not. She's not a prostitute. <laughs> but I he's, can't he's, how much but he's, he's, not he's a supportive. He's supportive, he's supportive because whatever it is, she's, if she, even but if she's not, a prostitute. He's like bewildered and overwhelmed and a little bit ashamed and. No, like, but she, he, he sees how happy she is and proud she is of the uh, good work she's doing. And he's, well, okay, God. that's what you want to do, Ferret. Fair enough. At one point, Joey. No, at one point, one of them basically says, like, oh, she'll give you a, a little something in a minute. Yeah, she's like, I'll come back and give you a full blow by blow. Yeah, and he doesn't object. <laughs> but And then she kisses him on the lips, which... Yeah, was, so weird! And, she, and he was like, ooh. <laughs> I don't like this subplot. I don't like it one bit. <laughs> it's just like they did someone know John Cleese, and they were like, can you give us a couple of days? We want to... We, We'll figure something out when you get here. <laughs> what? Oh God. Just, what is it? Look, just, just get some reaction shots of him looking perplexed, and we'll, we'll, we'll dub some, <laughs> we'll dub some jokes in. <laughs> oh, well, the the cast in this film is just bizarre. In, I mean, part of it, like Bruce Willis with hair, brilliant, love it, that's fantastic. <laughs> but then. I, I can't help but feel like the film might have been better if they'd got, like, someone good as the bad guy. Because, <laughs> I mean, Justin Theroux is, as far as I know, he's best known for being Louis Theroux's cousin. <laughs> yeah, I don't know who Justin Theroux is, other than from this movie. Yeah, the second thing I'd go to is he's written some Will Ferrell comedies and Tropic Thunder. Oh, okay. he, he's got a very odd writing career behind him. And then the third thing down down the list is he occasionally pops up in like comedic roles in films, um, uh, and Demi Moore is the other the other villain. And again, like, I mean, to me, she's best known as uh, a voice in Beavis and Butthead Do America, which was playing off the fact that she was going out with Bruce Willis. No, <laughs> which is. She's Hunchback of Notre Dame. That's what we know her from. <laughs> oh, is she? Really? Oh, of course she. Oh, you're right. Yeah, she isn't that. Yeah. She was big in the eighties. Um, fucking Carrie Fisher is in this movie. Oh god, yeah. Uh, as a comedy nun. And it's brilliant. There's, there's, yeah, there's a few actors that just popped up, like um, Robert Forster's in it for like one scene. Like, yes. Yeah. I know Robert Forster's not like amazingly famous or anything, but it just seemed a small role He's to him. He's a good actor though, yeah. And, and, and Bernie Mac. What's happening, Angels? <laughs> yeah, so obviously Bill Murray was like Fuck Lucy Liu, I'm not coming back. He claims it wasn't Lucy Liu. I mean, I think I've even got in my notes, like, I wouldn't have come back either, Bill Murray. Like... Yeah, the obvious replacement. You want to go <laughs> like like for like. Uh, Bernie Mac. Well, I had, a, I had a question about this. Was Did Bosley get recast several times over the course of the TV no, show? No, one of the... It was the same no? person. Yeah. Right, that's weird group. then. I kind of assumed this was like if they did a Fresh Prince movie and they like kept recasting the mum as like a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there there is in this film there's a sense that Bosley is a code name like James Bond and uh, yeah. they just can replace them. Although there is also a sense that there's 
just one woman who kind of adopts children and raises them as Bosleys. I'm not quite sure. Yeah. It's sort of that weird. very odd. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like once Bernie Mac retires, Shia LaBeouf's going to take over. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I like Bernie Mac. He's good. He's good. And I mean, I have to say, he kind of fits into the tone of the movie a bit better than Bill yes. Murray did. Yeah. Yes. He, look, yes. it's, it's Bernie Mac. It's Bernie Mac playing to his strengths. All right. Yeah. Um, it's he suits being Bosley. Now this movie sucks. I'm just going to go out there and say it. <laughs> I really like the first one. I really dislike this one. <laughs> and it's uh, it's a good 15, 20 minutes longer as well. Yeah. Let's just yeah. put that there. Yeah. It does just feel like a lot of sketches strung together without any real cohesion. Yeah, uh, and yeah. and uh, the special effects are terrible. Can we just put that in? Like the, the CGI yes. is really bad to the point that I I made a note asking if they're shit on purpose. There, there are times <laughs> in the film where it's like, are they doing a kind of fake looking green screen again? Is this like a nod to the old TV show that I don't get because it looks? No, so they bad. never did anything like that because it was too early yeah. for that. The one thing I definitely noticed from this film is uh, even even compared to the first film, completely given up on any sense of reality or physics uh, or anything <laughs> like that. The, the opening sequence is like a helicopter falling off a dam and then they just sort of jump onto it. Or uh, it was just complete nonsense. Uh, yeah. And that sort of carried on the... the the fight sequences went total like waifu. It was it, uh, like it, it just took everything from the first film that was pushing like reality, which you sort of expect yeah. in an action comedy, and just went full on ridiculous. Ridiculous. Yeah. And it doesn't yeah. work. It sort of goes too far. There's a limit. There's a line where you you need to go to. It's also less believable just on a kind of human interaction level as well, though. It, it's so. Yeah. I mean, I'm jumping right to the end here, but there, there's a gag that I, I made a note about because I was so pissed off at that point. <laughs> uh, well, the whole way through the film, you think Luke Wilson's going to propose to Cameron Diaz and she's yeah. like got commitment issues and she's scared of it. And then he just buys a puppy. And then she goes over to tell... Um, is it Drew Barrymore? Whoever yeah, it is. Yeah, because she's she, terrified that she's going to go. Yeah, and she goes, we're going to get... And then there's like a three second pause before Drew Barrymore goes, going to get what? And she goes, a puppy! And, and you're obviously meant to think she's going to go, we're going to get married. And But we already know we she's already not going to get married. But yeah, and, and so it's it, it's like they're trying to repeat that same John Cleese like gag with Lucy Liu, but it just, people don't talk like that. And it's not a yeah. funny enough misunderstanding that Drew Barrymore might think they're going to get married for a split second. Yeah, the, the whole weird justify... thing about that. <laughs> the weird thing about that is that it's not Cameron Diaz who has fear of commitment. Like, it, it, she doesn't. We never really get into that. It's Drew Barrymore has a fear of Cameron Diaz's commitment. <laughs> so, it's, yeah. so it's all about Drew Barrymore's character and how she's worried the angels are going to split up because the other two have got partners. And I think that could work as a, char- a character thing to focus on in the middle of an action film. She's worried that the team are going to get split up because her friends are going off. And then it plays into the fact that she's met up with this ex-boyfriend who's now trying to kill her and all that. You could play in the idea of relationships. Any of that could work if they just ideas. written it. <laughs> yeah, if they yeah, actually done so that. Yeah, there's so many good ideas. I love the idea of a spoiler, like the fact. I think Madison Lee as a character idea and a name, I think is fabulous. And I think the idea of like an ex angel mm. being rogue is so cool. Like that's so fun because they're like matched. It's sort of like a Marvel 
origin story where you're like fighting the bad version of yourself. But mm. like in 2004, that could have worked, especially with Demi Moore at the wheel. Like all of these things, they had like, they threw them all in a pot and they were so good. And then they gave it to some shit chef that just sort of like put too much salt in it and then spat it out <laughs> of the table. And they're like, there you go, there's your fucking sequel, deal with it. We never get any real backstory for the Madison Lee character. and, and no, So we never really two, get the proper motivation. They're trying to do the surprise now. villain thing again. Whereas if they just set Madison Lee up from the beginning, like we could yeah. have had a flashback to like the 1990s or late 1980s angels and see Madison Lee like go off yeah. the rail and see all these things yeah. that she talks about a lot. Like show us that because I don't know, it's a fucking movie. It's a visual medium. Show us that and then like have her be the like run through villain the entire movie. There you go. I fixed your movie. You're welcome. <laughs> and this whole idea of like teamwork and because that's another thing I, I think is really strong about these movies. We come straight in with them as a fully formed team and as best friends. Whereas I've seen from the trailer of the 2019 movie, not to get into it too much yet, but they start off as like, there's a, there's a newbie, there's a Luke Skywalker, so we can get introduced to the new agency, yeah. which I'm a bit like, I get why you're doing it, but like, don't do it. Like, have the confidence in your own movie, Elizabeth Banks. And I'm sure this perhaps wasn't even necessarily your idea to like, let's all come in with this fully formed team and not watch the friendship grow. Let's just go straight in with this female friendship and this team and just give us a really good case to work on. That could also be a sense of like, okay, they've already done that. So what can we do that's a bit different? Let's, let's. Re- I get that, re- but I just think it was team. so strong to start as a fully established team. Like I just, I really, really rate the movie for doing it. Well, what, uh, one, one thing that could work with that rogue angel character is that then the sort of secondary plot element about the teamwork element is not something to do with commitment or whatever. It's like, Oh, one of them, and they kind of flirt with this because Drew Barrymore sort of leaves, but it's never in a sense of like, oh, she might have gone to the dark side. Is she? Is she working with Madison? There's never seeds of mistrust sown between them, and then they come, they kind of come out of it at the other end. It's just she's walking away. I like it though. I like, I like that it's just pure female friendship, and like they've got each other's backs no matter what, and they trust and respect each other's decisions. They're not like, oh no, we've got to go get Drew Barrymore back. They're like, okay, she's decided to leave. We'll let her leave. Like we'll just carry on the best we can without her and hope that she's safe. Like I love, I really love that whole aspect of it. It's just everything else that fucking sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I'd say there's one element in which this film surpassed the uh, the first one, improved upon it. I, I know exactly what you're going to say, Sol. Can I, can I say it? They put, they put an Electric well, Six song in the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So long as so long as you um so long as you ignore the uh, Nickelback and Kid Rock desecrating Saturday Night's <laughs> All Right for Fighting that turns up at one point, um, the the soundtrack to this one is even better. You've got you've got some David Bowie, uh, <laughs> you've got some B fifty twos, Planet Claire, which they, is used really well actually. To get Bon Jovi in it, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you've got the the greatest band of all time, Electric Six. Uh, uh, who Emily, are, who you are still... probably don't know this, but Sol is a me- mental fan of Electric Six. You know that band <laughs> Sorry, that had two hits about twenty years ago. <laughs> yeah, two thousand three when the, <laughs> he, this film. Came he's out. like really massive fan of them, and so what was their song? Uh, danger, danger, high danger. 
How Veltich oh, and the okay. and gay bar the gay bar one as well. Right, right, right. So that was their yeah, two yeah. songs that they ever did. Um, <laughs> but uh, Sol's obsessed with them, so he does try and crowbar them into the podcast wherever possible. Fair. It does help when they put the music in the film. Naturally, but now that's yeah. why he's saying the soundtrack's better, just because there's electric six on it. <laughs> Well, the scene where they show they play High Voltage by Electric Six, I'm assuming someone gets electrocuted in that scene. Because uh, that's, <laughs> that's, that's how the soundtrack works on this film. Yeah. <laughs> no, no. Um, when we kiss, when we touch, changes it. Yeah. Um, no, there's no fires in that scene. There's no discos. I don't think anyone even ki- kisses or touches. It's, um, it's the most sort of avant garde they get with their music choice in the entire film. <laughs> One of my, my next note is, oh, that was lucky that they had to go undercover as strippers. They didn't! <laughs> they didn't have to do that. Also, just even if you take away any issues I have as this in terms of like, let's now watch a, literally, it was like a five minute extended dance sequence of them doing sexy dancing for, that didn't further the plot at all. It wasn't until they started stripping before it started getting back to the plot. When did they learn the dance? When did they infiltrate that club in time to learn that entire dance sequence of which they were the primary like main dancers? They've got them ready to go. They've got like, like they've just got a repertoire. I like how that like, that's <laughs> yeah they yeah they just infiltrated, rehearsed for a couple of weeks, and then. <laughs> 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 now the 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 main bad guy, or well, not the main bad guy, the sort of the, the first bad guy is Justin Theroux. Enough about me. What about you, Helen? How do you be in? Seamus. See, you still got a nice arse on you. You've got a lot of nerve coming here and stealing from me. Stealing back's more like it. Give us the rings. Now, you may not have been able to tell from his voice, but he was supposed to be Irish. (laughs) 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 Now, they could have at least... Like he was attempting Irish and doing it very badly, but then one of yeah, I mean, it was a real swing and a miss though. Like he was really going. He was going big, but then one of his main henchmen is played by Tommy Flanagan, who's quite a famous uh, (laughs) Glaswegian actor. Heidi O'Malley, top of the morning to you. You know, you just don't look much like any party I've ever seen before. Man, you ain't never heard no black Irish. Didn't even bother. He was just Scottish. <laughs> they didn't like. Yeah, fuck it. Who knows the difference between Scottish? Same and thing, isn't it? Someone who's Irish, or because you're not making a point. Like in Johnny English, it's funny that John Malkovich is being French, right? It's meant to be funny. And I'm John Malkovich. <laughs> when I was a kid, I I had to be told that that was a bad French accent. Like someone made. I watched a review of someone doing it, and they were like, "And John Malkovich, terrible French accent." And I was like, "Oh, yeah. <laughs> that was pretty good." I um, um I d- did they cast Colin Farrell, and then he dropped out. <laughs> oh my god, I wouldn't be surprised because <laughs> it's the perfect role for Colin Farrell. <laughs> yeah. I just can't believe that Justin Theroux was their first pick. He just seems <laughs> never. He really seems like, pick. yeah. But it, but he really feels like, a, oh, we've got two weeks till we start rolling. Kind of, you know, last minute replacement. <laughs> I, but he doesn't even speak that much. Like, just get someone to teach him it verbatim. It's just, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But speaking of dodgy accents, there was one bit where Joey from Friends turns up and does. 
what I would describe as a, <laughs> a, a Japanese accent. <laughs> sort of weird. Sort yeah. of, and he, he's because yeah. it's a bit they do to, in the to first Lucy one Lou, where, where Lucy Lou like he sh- he surprises her and she's like throws him over her shoulder and it's like, oh, how are you so strong? Ah, so you thought you could escape my fortress? Not so fast. Oh my god! Jason! Surprise! (laughs) And like, she's meant to think he's one of the like Mongolian people that they've just recently escaped. (laughs) Oh, is that that what they were doing? Oh, I thought he was just doing an accent from Helen. I thought he was just doing her voice. (laughs) I just thought it was this like. That's why she's like. Equally, that's why she's as suspicious because she's like, oh no, the, the Mongolian mob have like caught up with this here in LA. Or whatever. <laughs> oh, God. I mean, that, it, out of everything in both of these films, I think that is the moment that has aged the worst. And that's <laughs> saying something. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, yeah, I can't really remember anything from the plot now. Oh yeah, so it's a witness protection thing. Yeah. And they've oh, someone yeah. stolen the witness protection details. But then, you know, like Robert Patrick is in on it eventually, but then that doesn't really go anywhere because he's not the main villain. Uh, so he gets killed. It's that sort of like is a bit of a throwaway thing. We find out that Drew Barrymore's character has been in the witness protection program. Which Oh yeah. Uh, her th- name. They use it a lot. They play into it a lot in terms of like her character and where she's come from and this sort of dodgy history and stuff. But it just feels like it doesn't go anywhere. Yeah, and they definitely use it. So, but I guess it's just so inconsequential that it feels hollow and empty. It's and it just feels like it's a long joke. Like instead of furthering the plot, it just feels like they're trying to get as many butt jokes in as possible. Yeah, I was all right with that bit. <laughs> it, it just bit of wordplay humor. It was just so bad. It just, yeah. oh, it was just, yeah, yeah. Can we talk about Crispin Glover being in this movie and how he's fifth build in the credits? We get for that we get more in depth character background on him than any other character in the film, <laughs> including yeah, we do Cameron Diaz. <laughs> like literally, we learn all about his upbringing and his backstory and his tragic life, and it's not and- relevant to anything. It's not relevant to absolutely anything, and then he like comes in at the end. He's not uh, he's not working for anyone in particular, I don't think. But then he switches allegiance at the very end and starts making out with Drew Barrymore, only to then be immediately killed. And it's like Drew, stop it! This man is like <laughs> ripping out your hair. What are you doing? This isn't like I mean, fair enough. If but like what? Where is this come? From? What is happening? What? What? What am I watching? What is this? Because they've got this sort of running joke that she always falls for the bad guy. Uh, I guess she's attracted to damaged men or whatever. But... Yeah. That's a different thing. Like, this is, this is different. Whole, like, again, it's, it's that line. It's that, it's them crossing that line and wanting too much of what they had. It's them taking down the Oliphant when everyone was impressed with Legolas's archery and the fellowship. They just, they upped it and upped it and upped it until it was just weird. Uh, you lost us with that reference, I'm afraid, but uh, we'll, we'll <laughs> take do Lord of the Rings. We, we don't do Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <gasps> 
well. But there, there was like there was a nice moment where he rips out her hair and keeps sniffing the hair and all that. And he, I think he gives her some of his hair or something, and she kind of like plays along and smells it in a kind of like, oh, is this what you want? Kind of way. I like that. That was kind of like she's just like this Sweet. weird guy. I better keep him happy or he might kill me. <laughs> and then, and then Drew Barrymore's very like, good at making her character remain a character. Like every time. Lucy Liu or Cameron Diaz is trying to get her to do something like particularly sexy that she doesn't want to do or like whatever. She's always like, no, I'm going to go do this bit instead. Like there's, there's sort of a running theme of that, which I, again, is why she was always my favorite because she was never coerced into doing the ridiculously over the top stuff. When Cameron Diaz gets in that fucking glass of milk, I'm just like, what? (laughs) What? Is this fucking Hang on, movie? She, she gets in a glass of milk. I, I think I missed that bit. What? what? It's at the end of the extended <laughs> dance sequence in that strip club when they're, yeah, when yeah, they're yeah. literally doing like a five-minute dance sequence. Cameron Diaz like gets stripped naked by Lucy Lou's whip and then she gets put in like a martini glass of milk and she like swills around in it so Drew Barrymore <laughs> can steal some keys, which I'm pretty sure she'd have been capable of doing <laughs> Without any of that assistance. This, I, I, I don't remember her getting into a glass of milk, but I do remember that scene where <laughs> they're happens. stealing the keys in a very non-subtle way. He's <laughs> pretty much just yeah. like, I'll just she rub this guy's cock like, while I take the keys off his belt. <laughs> <laughs> what else happens there? I'm Anything trying to else? look at my notes. Other... They're just so, um, uh, make it stop. So fetish. <laughs> How is pretending to be a prostitute funny? None of this furthers the plot. <laughs> How is Dylan poor? What is Charlie paying them? Why do they need to be wet? When they come out of... <laughs> when you think that they've died, although nobody does think that, and they come out again, the fucking, like, sprinklers turn on in the lawn that they're walking through, and the three of them just walk through this parade of sprinklers whilst being like, okay, so we know that it's Demi Moore now, so, oh my god, I figured it out, it's Fred Astaire, we have to go to the Hollywood Boulevard Oh my god! Movie, the but friend, they're that soaking was... fucking wet. That, that is the worst, that is the most egregious attempt at wordplay in this fucking film. <laughs> Astaire! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't, what do you mean? We don't want to walk upstairs now. We've just been blown up. No, a stare. Oh, I'll give you a bloody stare in a minute with me <laughs> eyes, you bloody, if you don't shut up. <laughs> it just, it was just one of those moments where I was like, this movie is allowed to be sexy. Like, of course it is. But this just seems, you ask like a 14 year old boy like, what do you want to see them do next? And he's like, oh, make them get wet. Because then, of course, the minute the credits hit in, they start oh my doing God. the Paris Hilton car wash. Oh, what was that? During the credits Not scene. relevant like, to anything. Oh, Not even a funny God. scene. Did Shia LaBeouf write the, write the script? Like, <laughs> what the fuck? I think I turned it off before this happened. What? They do a car it, wash It happens the immediately. As the film finishes oh. and the main credits come up. Interspersed then with outtakes. They're doing, oh, just God. before the outtakes kick in, they're doing like a sexy car wash. And it's then it the song playing. The sexy car wash. It's the it's song a playing car wash, wash by, Ro- <laughs> by Ross Rose. <laughs> <laughs> but they, like, no, I think it's like All Star or something. This is- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, McGee called in a favour. From <laughs> <laughs> <And> Smash Mouth. <laughs> That but, song was in every early 2000s movie. It was, yeah, it was. because McGee made it a hit. Um, well, let, let me ask something though, right? Because we've talked about in this film, the male characters are so often just like, Boo! whenever they see mm-hmm. cleavage. 
And they use that quite considerably. But the way that this film is presented is the idea that that's what a male audience member is go- is doing. Because it's the same thing. They're going to be so distracted by the titillation that they're not going to notice that there's no plot or that the acting's weak or, or whatever. That's well, the idea. It's like we're selling it on sex. Are we right? But that, we see that a lot. The, the reason that Hollywood puts makes men in their films like that is because that's what they think the audience is. Yeah, and it's rude and disrespectful. But it's also just wrong. Although, I don't know, is it just me? Because I'm not... It's like, look, this is you. Like, I I, like, wow, I appreciate, you. you know, a sexy woman. You know, like, I, I, I'm i not... I don't think I'm unusual as a man. Like, I watch... No, you are. You are. I appreciate a sexy woman. <laughs> but, that, but I don't I don't go, oh my God, I'm so, like, overawed by a bit of cleavage that I don't know how to comprehend things anymore. Yeah, but that, you're not a boob. You're not a boob guy, Alan. You're That's true, this. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> oh well there we go science <laughs> does that work is, is, are people won over by that well I guess not it wasn't like a well received film was it or was mm, it no, well no because they probably would have made a third one wouldn't they? it didn't like fail I mean they made money on it but they, yeah it's not like a well respected film or anything no it's not well respected so shall we rate is there anything else you'd like to bring up uh, no, I, I thought it was shit. <laughs> this, yeah, there's really not much to say about this one. It, Other than the sort of things that I really hope they bring over to the new one, which is all about the female friendship. And I know mm-hmm. I keep banging on about it, but it's, it is genuinely so nice to see. Um, and we were having this in 2000. You consider the conversations that were happening around Ocean's 8 about how, oh, we've never seen this before. Uh, and like even the 2016 Ghostbusters, we did have it before. It just so happened to be in a movie that everybody then took immediately to the charity shop. But, like, we did <laughs> Kind of like it. Ghostbusters 2016 as well. When I came out with the Ghostbusters remake, I was like, yeah, that was all right, you know, nothing special. But what really struck me about it was that if this was like, I don't remember, this really struck me that it was, these are female characters, like, but... I don't know, I just came away from it going, I don't see that very often. Female characters kind of interacting with each other and just being normal characters. They're not. And, yeah. But watching this film of Charlie's Angels, which is also a very female-driven thing, I did not feel that at all. Because these these characters are, are women, they're written as women uh, to be looked at by men. Perhaps not quite in the yeah. same male gaze way you always get. But in Ghostbusters, mm, it was no, like... I would say the same. But when I watched Ghostbusters, it, it did very much feel like... If you made these characters men, it wouldn't really make much difference. But then they still retain a femininity. They will still talk about yeah, things it, as it, a woman. It, but then in Charlie's Angels, it felt like, we're making a woman film. Here you go, woman, women. Uh. Yeah, but yeah. I, I, th- I think that's it. I mean, obviously, both both films we're talking about here were directed by men. But I think the difference is yeah. that in in the Ghostbusters reboot, it, it feels like there is a female voice coming through. Yeah, maybe that's capacity. it. Yeah, maybe that's it, it. It feels like the actors are bringing something to it. It feels like there you know was a female influence on what was being done whereas this film feels like three women being told what to do by a man it it never once feels like there's any like female voice coming through and i and i think there is a degree of female voice coming through in the first one but um yeah that i think primarily came from the actors and the yeah, chemistry yeah. that they had especially if drew, drew barrymore is the producer so they've got the power to yeah. do that and also it was the 2000s and like feminism looked different back then there was no like he for she like even though it's only been 19 years oh jesus christ um but like 
do you know what I mean? So much has happened in those 19 years. Like, we've all become so much more aware and furthered things. And, like, feminism was a dirty word back in the 2000s. I remember Kelly Clarkson coming forward and desperately trying to convince people that she, like, wasn't a feminist because feminist mm. means man-hating. And mm. do you know I what remember I mean? Steve Carell the, the late shouting... 90s, Kelly Clarkson yeah. when he got his chest hair ripped off in the Forty Year Old Virgin. So that's uh, that's I think that's my sole memory of Kelly Clarkson. <laughs> <laughs> Who is Kelly Clarkson? She's a pop singer. Oh, okay. She won like American Idol. Oh yeah, she was, yeah, like, yeah, one yeah, of the yeah, first yeah. winners. Um, she's still got a thriving career, and she's an absolute delight. Um, is what I have to say about that. <laughs> but. Yeah, it was it, it was suffering from that late 90s. You see it a lot in the Disney movies as well. We move from our sort of like curious, sensitive Ariels and Bells later into our sort of Jasmines and Mulans where we're trying to stand up for the greater good, but we're still being written by men. And mm. I think you're right. Mm. This movie does have a primarily male gaze and yeah. voice and anything that works that I'm trying to pull out of it is yeah. either me desperately trying to find stuff or just fluke. Um, and I've got such high hopes. I've probably got too many ho- hopes for the 2019 yeah. Charlie's well, Angels. Yeah. Yeah, let's talking just, of, uh, just pause talking there, of Jasmine. We, we haven't rated the film yet, so let's just do that quickly. And we, can we jump to the... We'll jump all right, to the, all right. Uh, I, said, I, said, I said talking about Jasmine, so remember that. Okay, yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> that's that's going to be the segue. All right. Oh, shit, yeah. <laughs> so what... <laughs> Uh, out of 10 I, I think it's awful this film 3 out of 10 and that's really generous I'm being so generous with that yeah you're being super generous because <laughs> I, I nearly gave it a 2 but I just I was going to give it a it 2 just, it had enough songs in it and Bruce Willis was, <laughs> was had hair um, so I gave it the extra 0.5 bumping it up to a, a, a Round it up to a three. Well, because I, <sighs> I enjoyed the f- first one so much. I, I didn't want to drop too far. It just felt like too much of a kind of come down. But uh, so, yeah, <laughs> I, I was leaning towards even giving it a five. And then literally I watching the car wash scene in the credits. I was like, fuck off. <laughs> so I, so I, I gave it a four. <laughs> Which, bear in mind, I give the okay. first one an eight. That's a pretty dire drop. To say it's essentially <laughs> the same setup and people involved and everything. I have... I have to give it a, a three. Yeah, a three. It just, it's everything I didn't want it to be. And then it turned out to be. And it had such potential, but then it undermines that potential all the time. So I, it, like, there's no saving itself. Do you know what I mean? It's such a shame. <laughs> uh, so I was really just wanting to speak about Jasmine. Yeah, yeah. Um, Naomi Scott, who played Jasmine in the remake of Aladdin, is one of the new angels ah, in the new she. Charlie's Angels. Oh, I didn't recognize her. She is the name. new angel. Oh, is she the one coming in? So yeah, we she's the one we should, coming in. We should mention. So the new film, uh, we were just talking there about lacking a woman's voice. The new film is written and directed by um, Elizabeth Banks. This is oh, the she only thing. As well. This is her yeah. only writing well, credit on. IMDb. It's a rewrite. She wrote it with her, her like husband and. It's a rewrite of a previous script written by two men. Oh, okay. But she's the she's the only credited she's credited as screenplay. The other guys are credited as story. Um, so okay. I mean, technically, she's the she's the screenplay writer. You know, if it she's was if it was up for an award, writer. she's the one who get it. Uh, but the first thing she's ever written in terms of IMDb credits, it's literally no other writing credits. She has directed before, uh, and she's obviously she's also in the film. Anybody who's seen the trailer, uh, she's oh, yeah. playing Bosley. Woo-hoo! 
this film definitely feels like it's not going as comedic as the 2000s film. Yeah. I've watched the trailer. It seems like a pretty yeah. straight up action film, which looks yeah. a bit boring, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, I think that's going to be the problem. It looked aggressively mediocre. Just in... Why are there three Bosleys in the cast list? What have they done? <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, Patrick Stewart and Digimon Hunsu are both credited as Bosleys. They've really gone with that concept then, the uh, Bosley code name thing. Well, apparently this is a, a sequel to those other two films. Apparently it's set in the same continuity. What? I doubt that's going to come up, but... Um... Also, like, how can it? Because apparently it's an entirely new idea of the agency. Because also John Forsyth is now dead. So he can't reprise his role as Charlie. Yeah, no There's no do one here on the cast then. list as Charlie. Oh, you know who's going to be Charlie? I'm calling it now. Fucking Sigourney Weaver. That'll got her in. She's going to be fucking Charlie. I'm calling it now. You heard it here first. Yeah. She'll yeah, be uncredited, but she'll be fucking Charlie. <laughs> or there won't be a Charlie, and that's why it's so fucking empowering and like progressive, whatever. <laughs> I think Charlie's going to be a robot. <laughs> it's going to be an acronym, and it, st- it stands for computer, computerized co- helper, computerized helper, and <laughs> really <laughs> likes intelligence. Eh? <laughs> Genius. Yeah. What did occur to me when I watched the two thousands Charlie's Angels, which I thought, oh, they won't do that now, is that there's two of them are white. And I thought, you can't do that. If you're going to have three angels, there got to be three different types. Uh, and they've they've nailed that down here. Yeah, they've ticked that box. Because I was interested, because I, when I was reading about Charlie's Angels TV series, they were a bit put out when they were casting the third person, because the person they really liked was a brunette, but they already had a blonde yeah. and a brunette, and they really wanted a redhead. But they were like, oh, we'll have to make that compromise, I suppose. you got to have a ginger in there. There's three women. <laughs> That's it, apparently. Yeah, that's that's how it works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's I like that, that. That now we've moved on to a point where hair isn't that important anymore. But race is that's the thing. So yeah, yeah I wonder if in this film, when they're recruiting a new angel, they'll have the same conversation as the producers of this film obviously did. <laughs> they were going right. Which race can we have? We got a white and a black already. So what? Could you go somewhere in the middle? Yeah. <laughs> Asian? Literally. No, we are, that's a too too complicated. All right, let's trans go. trans. Can we have a trans woman? No, no, not in this no, one. No, Maybe not, not, yet, not, yet. not yet. Another not yet. twenty years yeah. for that one. Another twenty. There will years. be. I reckon if this and it looks like it's going to. If this is going to have several agencies dotted about. I reckon there'll be a trans or like a non-binary angel, which is great. Like obviously, that's fucking great. <laughs> Ella Belinska. Is a nobody, so good for her. I wanted to ask, is, is she like a YouTube influencer or something? What is she? No, or an she's Instagram literally model? a nobody. She's just an actor that has had, like, this is her lucky break. She's had, she's done a few shorts. She was in a couple of, she was in, like, an episode of Casualty. I think she's, if she was in Casualty, she must be, she didn't end Midsummer Murder. She must be British, so good for her. She, she was well, in a British TV in the show film. called she's The Athena. And now she's in. Now she's one of the Charlie's Angels. So like, good for her. They've got an essentially an unknown in, which is yeah, really, yeah. really positive for someone like me, <laughs> and assumes that I'm going to get nowhere. I must admit, I when I, it is an odd one because it is a part that you 
I guess they want them to be pretty young, so yeah, you're gonna be, you, yeah. you can go down the unknowns route. But it's not like they've got a big name here to sell it on, like Kristen Stewart, I suppose. But you know who's buying? Oh that? yeah, I'd say Kristen Stewart's still a big name. Yeah, I but who wants to buy that love. name? Me. <laughs> I is she love is she popular? I, yeah, I think she, I think she's she's also perfect for this. I think she's pretty all right, Kristen Stewart. But I think I, she's a I, fabulous actor. But I don't think she's very popular. I thought a lot of people just assumed she's crap because she's in Twilight, even though that's a not my fault. A lot of people do, but like, there's a lot of people. It, there's been like a shift. Like there was an Anne Hathaway shift in the late two thousands where we yeah, all went from going, yeah. "Oh fuck her," to being like, "Oh my god, we love her." The same yeah. sort of thing happened with Kristen Stewart. Yeah. But I, yeah, I mean, I, I looked up Ella Belinska as well, and didn't obviously didn't know her from anything. But I, was, I noticed that she was born in 1996, and I just felt really depressed about how old I am. <laughs> it's like because she's that's, and I just realised like that she's that's not even young. She's 23. <laughs> but, of still, but just seeing 96 as a date of birth really mm. just hits me hard. Naomi Scott was born in 1993. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Um. Naomi Scott, she's one of the best things in that Aladdin remake. Oh, really? But, yeah, she, she got away it? with it. I haven't seen it, no. I've, I refuse to see the live action Disney's now because they'll just get angry and no one will listen to me. That's rant. fair, that's fair, yeah. Aladdin's not going to change anything about that. Um, it's pretty bad. Uh, <clears throat> Charlie's Angels, the new film, is it going to be any good? No, probably not. No, but I really, no. really want it to be, but it's not going to be. I I think, like like we were saying, I I think it needs to be comedic to work this premise yeah. because because otherwise spy- we're just taking it too seriously and that's yeah. not fun either. Yeah. Well, also I think uh, your fifteen year old boys, as much as we've moved on in the last nineteen years, your fifteen year old boys look at Charlie's Angels from two thousand and go, "Oh yeah, I want to watch that. Look at those sexy women." Whereas they'll look at this film and go, oh, it's action, for, that's for women. Twilight, uh, girls, girly. Girls, that. Because this, so who is this film marketed at? Uh, women, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. It just might not make any money. But that's this the problem, is the thing. yeah. Like, because is it trying to make a point or is it trying to make money? I think this film's, from a business point of view, I think it's being aimed at young women. I don't think it's going to be good. It's going to be too serious. It's going to be too different from the source material. So old fans won't like it. And that includes yeah. like me, really. It's going to be so woke that it'll eliminate a certain patch of audience, I imagine. And it it just... All right, to- I, I, I'm going to call it now. I reckon Ooh. it's going to be like weirdly anti-woke. I reckon there's going to be like... I reckon there's going to be a joke in it about... There's going to be like a transphobic joke in it. And there's going to be a joke in it that's like, oh, you can't say anything these days. People get so offended. And Not with it. Elizabeth Banks at the helm, <laughs> I would hope. <laughs> I know nothing about Elizabeth Banks' personal politics, but um, I do know that she was a big hair aristocrat person in the Hunger Games. And <laughs> they were very right-wing from what I could gather. So. I'm worried for it. I, I was so pumped and then i saw the trailer and i was like oh but then usually mm. bad trailer equals good movie mm. and vice versa mm. <laughs> well, sometimes it's just crap material alan just thinks i mean you can't win with alan <laughs> if alan thinks bad trailer equals bad film good trailer equals bad film <laughs> <laughs> so 
if you were going to do a, a a new take on Charlie's Angels, how would you approach it in this day and age? I was going to sort of semi-jokingly suggest a gender swap version, but then I watched the episode of the TV series that did that. <laughs> but yeah, I have like a female Charlie and Bosley and then the male, three males, but you know, I was only going to do it. Yeah, no, fuck that. <laughs> I, I, think, I think the approach to do would be you go full comedy but you get like the 21 Jump Street guys on it or like someone good instead of McGee. Yeah, that's fair because I was going to say, oh no, don't go full comedy because we'll end up with like something shit. <laughs> <laughs> it's very specific. <laughs> so, that was not well articulated. <laughs> but yeah, no, you're right, 21 Jump Street's the right vibe and again, it's that resurrection of a TV program, isn't it? So yeah. that's good. Keep with the idea that Angels is like a code name, um, but progress. Have have Charlie die, like that's fine, and have a new Charlie. He leaves an inheritance to support them. Yeah, either someone's like taken over as Charlie, or like it's like his son or daughter or something, granddaughter maybe. I don't know, but make sure. Try and make old. it less of a sugar daddy relationship. Yeah, more of a respectable because it's. I like I like the intercom thing. I like the mystery that we never see Charlie. I do like that. It's cool. It's like a shtick. So that's fine. And as I say, make fucking Sigourney Weaver Charlie and just have her through the intercom and not showing you her. And hell, if you want to do that gender switch thing, have her surrounded by fucking topless oiled men. <laughs> I, I don't care what we do in the film, but I think we should have... You, you hear Charlie's voice all the way through. It can be anyone. It can be Sigourney Weaver, whatever. I just want a post credit scene where the camera spins back, spins around and you reveal that Charlie's a dog. <laughs> <laughs> with a dog sat, sat at a, a desk. A talking dog. Yeah. With, a, with a fake human arm, like, on the desk. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's my input for the film. That's all I need. <laughs> okay. Well, that's Charlie's Angels put to bed. Um, we we will uh, generally Sol and I will do a diminisode uh, on the new films coming out. So we will go and see Charlie's Angels and this new one. We'll do a little review. But if you need, if you want to listen to that diminisode, you need to become a Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash dim returns. Come become a Patreon for just one dollar a month, and uh, you get lots of extra material for all that, and you help support the show. Uh, whilst you're doing that, you can also listen to a podcast called Why This Film, hosted by <laughs> Emily Slade. Uh, go on, give us, give us another quick plug, Emily. Yay, yes. Find us on Spotify, Apple. It's great. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. We're pink with Prosecco glasses. <laughs> yeah, and uh, Emily's podcast focuses on films you've seen when you were a child, and I guess it's Sort of, given our listeners, it's probably going to be about right. It's sort of things from the <laughs> 80s and 90s and early 2000s and so. that sort of thing. A lot of Don Bluth, a lot of... Yeah. Oh. We did Small Soldiers recently, that was popular. Oh. Thank you for listening, and if you would like to hear me on the Why This Film podcast, then you are in luck, because it comes out the day after this episode. Find it by searching for Why This Film on your podcast catcher or look for at Why This Film on Instagram. And you really should check out Instagram because we are now on it. 
That's right, we've taken a step into 2017 and joined the fresh new social media site. We are at Dim Returns Pod. We're putting pictures up there, so go and have a look. Follow us, it makes us feel validated. And as always, thank you to the Patreons who keep the show up and running. This week they've had Diminisodes looking at Zombieland Double Tap and Terminator Dark Fate. If you want to listen to those, then go to patreon.com forward slash dimreturns. See you next week!